I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Chris Moore. And we've started the homos on Haunted Hill so that we can throw a party. A horror film party. <laughs> It'll be quite amusing. There'll be madmen and chainsaws and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. So, Kevin, mm-hmm. did I ever tell you about the time I spent in the Kimberly Diamond Mines? <laughs> you did not. Yeah. There's a lot. It's a formative film. You know, you've seen yes. little bits of this in a lot of film since. And uh, kind of kicked off some trends, you know. All of a sudden, we had all these crazy lady movies running amok and causing drama. Mm-hmm. True story. And I liked it. It was a good time. <laughs> How do we get back to that, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do we do that? Like, do we need, like, yeah. a virgin sacrifice? What do we need to do? Make right. a chant? Right. Rain dance? I'll do it all. I'll bring it back. And they, they make you care for her a little bit in this, in parts you, of this. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, it's uh, as She's terrible as the things one note. she does. Yeah. No, it's... it's um that that really uh, affecting poignant moment where she's like you know eventually you're gonna leave me just like everybody leaves me and uh Mm. uh uh, you know someone like me could never be with someone like you and um i'm just kind of grateful that i got to be with you and blah 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 blah. Mm. yeah it's it it hits so sad it does i mean most movies would not have those little those little character bits just snuggled in there and uh and they take the time to do it so you actually feel stuff you're not you're like part of you is like oh i i don't (laughs) know maybe she maybe she just needs him there and she's misunderstood (laughs) but then you find the scrapbook and you're like why are you killing the babies well what did the babies do to you the scrapbook's a little much look at you wrong Mm -hmm. like she's a little proud of that like i don't know like Serial killer, maybe. But once you have a scrapbook, I'm like, I don't think you're sorry. Mm, I think you're yeah, proud of it. The, the murder scrapbook is a bit much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a little surprised they, because they made some changes from the novel to the movie. And that would have been something I thought they would have toned down a little bit just to make her a little more relatable. Yeah. But they, they kind of went full <laughs> like, scale with the scrapbook, murder scrapbook like, here. Like, no, she's killing people and babies. Yeah, yeah. She's doing it all. It's just, yeah, I don't understand why she was uh, so upset about that. Like, does the book get into that more? I haven't read the it's book. It's been so, so long since I've read it. Uh, um, folks can let us know. I'd have to, I'd have yes. to go review. I, I now I want to reread it actually after rewatching mm-hmm. this, but um, and I want to watch the um, Castle Rock season of this that I didn't watch. Oh uh, right, yeah, too. yeah, with a uh, Lizzie Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan, as who is Annie, yeah, yeah, especially because she's doing that new fatal attraction series so like yeah is it gonna give me like an insight into her performance in that too we'll see. I, yeah, maybe yeah may, maybe she's like the go-to girl now for that kind of stuff and i'm okay with okay. it your mom's back hair <laughs> she has the anger in her why not i can <laughs> see does. it uh yeah just a really good allegory too about this writer facing his inner demons and man who are sort of manifested at this as this crazed but also awesome woman and yeah it's um uh stephen king did like these kind of stories where let's put this writer in jeopardy and have him (laughs) dealing with his sins and everything he wrote like 50 stories about this but like this is one of the best ones (laughs) yes the troubled writer who's you know who has his demons from the past and Uh how's he gonna how's he gonna save the town from the monster and confront them right right or were they the, the same all along? Exactly. Is the monster yeah. even real? Or is it yeah. you know, just a mani- manifestation of his <laughs> own inner demons? Who knows? Of course. I mean, the shining, it. Mm-hmm. It's all there. You know, there. Uh, the dark half. Who... Oh, of course. The dark half. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, that's a yep. it's a big one. And, uh, you know, just because it show Scream 5, not the first movie about entitled fans, folks. Right. Know? Yeah, when that is... came out, everybody was like, "This is such an original idea about toxic fandom." Like, have you seen Misery? Because like, that's yeah, the whole like, point that's of the movie. Literally, <laughs> the whole point. Yeah, like I, I, but it was interesting to watch this because um, I don't think I've seen it all the way through for maybe twenty something years. Maybe it's been a yeah. while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I forgot a lot of stuff. But watching it now with all the stuff that we know about the sort of toxic fandom online and stuff, I just thought, "Wow, this is very insightful to, into the kind of minds that are so." 
entitled about the stories that artists tell and they feel like if it's not exactly what they want it to be it's a piece of shit and they should remake it and rewrite it and and it's just Mm -hmm. like who do you think you are like really how about you sit down at a typewriter and struggle for months on end and then see what happens when someone comes up to you and says i hate that and you should rewrite it because i know better this this was before the internet Things have yeah. gotten so much worse since, so since much then worse. because anyone can have a megaphone today and, you know, yeah. basically tear into people online and just mm-hmm. uh, ruin writers' lives just because they don't like something that they made. It's just right. it's crazy. It's such a, it's such a mixed blessing, the internet, as we as you said, because yeah. it, it, it has brought people together in a lot of ways that maybe would not have found each other, but it has also amplified a lot of really terrible voices and entitled voices and... and um racist angry you know xenophobic mm-hmm. voices but such is yeah. life yeah. like that andrew tate that just got taken down by credit <laughs> <Son Thunberg>. of- <laughs> that was good that was good more of that please <laughs> that was- <laughs> i saw that and i was like that's going in the history books man that's mm-hmm. that's too funny that's mm-hmm. so good good stuff good stuff <laughs> so some positive news this week everybody isn't that nice right keep it positive that's what we're doing here spread and cheer what else has been going on lately i mean uh it's it's the as you're listening to this it's the new year folks we're still in 2022 uh at the moment for for like a day but happy new year to y'all back the curtain they think this is live (laughs) we we we, we recorded this the day up yeah no (laughs) we're having our new year's champagne right now it's live yeah. oh the yeah. ball's dro- dropping right now as we speak look at that uh, oh, are we allowed oh, to drink or is this <laughs> like cnn where they, they were getting a little too uh <laughs> i used to watch that with um anderson and kathy but uh after she got kicked off it just wasn't who cares anymore you know i know i just don't i don't like the way he treated her during her whole no. scandal i don't care for it i don't either uh i saw i posted this on instagram so you saw this uh this is not really new news, apparently. Apparently, this was, was announced back in October, but I didn't see anything about it that that new urban legend was canceled. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was that was kind of a downer. Not gonna yeah. lie. I was kind of uh, curious to see where it was gonna go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not heartbroken about it. Heartbroken, but I was curious, definitely, to see what they do with it. And um, apparently, it was going to be a very queer slasher, according to the uh, director. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm sure eventually we'll see it come back in some form. He mentioned in this tweet that there was some TV stuff possibly going on with mm. it. So I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the. hopefully it's better than that. I know we did that summer series, which I only watched one episode of, but I heard it was not particularly <laughs> enthralling. <laughs> well, I mean, what kind of sucks about that is that I heard, I think it ended on like a cliffhanger. So it, mm. it ended and then it never got renewed again so they're I like mean, oh that's their fucking fault like i'm sorry yeah. like don't don't make a series that ends on a cliffhanger i hate when shows do that and they're like oh i feel so like angry that you didn't give us another season i'm like well if you wouldn't end on a fucking cliffhanger you know what the tv landscape is today and how shows get yeah. canceled left and right like i don't know yeah it's a massacre good oh. lord no show is ever safe it's like this no. could have pulled in 50 million viewers on its first episode. And they're like, you know, what's a good idea. We should cancel that. And now you see like they're pulling stuff like popular shows off of mm-hmm. streaming services because they don't want to pay the fees to keep them on there. And it's, it's yeah, I mean, they've always done it to some degree, but even shows that, like that they themselves have created like that um, Westworld right. show I saw that was pulled off HBO. And it, yeah. it's just crazy. It's like, what's that about? Uh, yeah, what's what, what's going on there? And uh, this is why physical media is still important because stuff mm-hmm. is getting pulled. You never know when things going to get pulled. And uh, yeah, crazy. it's horrible. I, and I th- I think rights issues are one one of the reasons why like HBO does and have like the Hitchhiker and Tales from from the Crypt on there mm-hmm. because they have to like renegotiate everything. And it's right. just, I guess it's a pain. Yeah, but uh, hopefully we see Rebecca Gayhart make a triumphant return at some point. Mm. Um, I mean, listen, she was in the first sequel. Wouldn't it make sense if she came back in this one? You would think. I mean, uh, very cohesive timeline there. And uh, I want to see her, <laughs> you know, returning to her glory here. <laughs> I would love that so much. Even a fan film at this point. Like, come oh, on, because, please, you know, yes. why not? 
Because it's not like the first one was like a masterpiece. Like that's 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 kind of why I was looking forward to like a reboot. Because sometimes when you do a reboot of a sh- of a film that's already like perfect, it's like why even bother? But like there are areas yeah. you can improve on, and that you know, like like give us a final girl I actually care about. That'd be nice. Oh, poor Natalie. Yeah, she's just yeah. not very engaging. What's her problem? Right. Like I right. I know she accidentally killed someone like a year or two ago, but like perk up, girl. I mean, yeah. come on. It's not really fun to watch. You just mope around and have stuff happen to you. Loose guys are going to cheer up, put on a happy face. <laughs> and if Brenda had sung that during her monologue, I would have loved it even more. <laughs> as she carves a happy face with the scalpel into her face. like just... <laughs> That's all I wanted. This is what we want from a reboot, people. I hope you're taking notes, studios. We demand these things, okay? We will send Jeez, Annie Wilkes you t- to you. This is our misery, Chastain, Brenda oh, Bates. God, yes. All right. Oh, this is our entitled fandom moment. <laughs> this is what you have to Give do. Give her okay? what she wants. Give her <laughs> what she deserves. <laughs> if not, we will. We will come get you. We will bring our pig too. We will do it. <laughs> our, our sow. Yeah, our, our sow. The sow is mine. what are these misery books about like i I keep trying to pierce together the 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 plot it's like where do they take place because at some point in the book that he's writing it's like she's related to some sort of royalty is this some sort of like period piece i mean it sounds like audra basically you know from the curtains it's like well what what are we what's actually happening in these stories i i guess it's just about her trying to choose between guys because at some point and he's like, is she going to pick this guy or this guy? I have to know. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And so is it some sort of romance novel? It's it. That's what it sounds like when people talk about it. Like to yeah. some degree, like um, they talk about like these Harlequin like romance type mm-hmm. novels. But then you also hear other people talk about them. And it's like, is it is it a mystery? Is it I guess it just it has everything. Apparently, I mean, these oh. it's, a, it's a book that gives you a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, not much else here at the, the start of a new year. I can't think of anything. Um no it's, uh, uh we don't how, have a screen movie to look forward to this month uh, we do in march but uh yeah so uh january is almost kind of a, a year later almost yes almost a, almost a, yeah that uh megan movie is coming out soon i do want to see that <gasps> megan megan i'm kind of angry she doesn't talk like that like she's not like hello my name is megan that would be yeah fun. yeah she's like hi you want to come play my name is megan <laughs> i'm like that's not scary <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm intrigued. I'm not scared. <laughs> like, what is that? Like, play music for me. I'll do a song and dance. I'm like, yes, Megan. I like that. <laughs> I like your initiative, but uh, I'm gonna need to have a little more threat, threatening voice, ba- mm-hmm. babe, girl. I don't know. Go study Kathy Bates in uh, Misery and <laughs> yeah. get some ideas here. <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest <laughs> actress performances of all time, I would say. Oh, dear God. Yes. I, I mean, come on. I wish they had recorded, and maybe they did, but they, they haven't released it. But the um, the Broadway production or mm. the, the, that they did with Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf, Wallace, like, yeah. Like that, that would have been fantastic. I I'm heard sure. she was amazing, which is, of oh, course, I'm no sure. shock. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to see. I'm, I'm sure they have it, you know, Lincoln Center, but Probably, who can go there? Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, truly, I'm kind of surprised they haven't just remade this completely at yeah point. at this point you would think um they've remade several of other you know stephen king stories at this point so you would think oh, yeah. but uh i think i mean i think this performance is just so fucking good that they realized they yeah they, they, it would be extremely hard to top it or even do something different that was interesting um yeah it's like i feel like they just have to repeat exactly what she did because it's like how are you yeah. gonna best that you know right it's or they it's, would just play her like really one note or maybe they just make her like really depressed the whole time just be yeah. like, hi, I'm your number one fan. You right. want some soup? And that wouldn't be that wouldn't be scary. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza as her. <laughs> <laughs> now wait a second. Wait a second, Kevin. I think we're we on to some <laughs> some good material. It's kind of out out of the box casting, and I don't mm-hmm. know. Kind of see that. Yeah, that is true, though. It's been 33 years since this movie, which good is God. crazy. Wow, uh, and it is surprising that. They haven't tried to do some sort of, I mean, they did do the, in the series, like I said, the Castle Rock series, but they haven't done mm-hmm. an all out reboot. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And we're not I trying to give I mean, studios ideas. We're just surprised. No, <laughs> I, I mean, we just, we're surprised it hasn't happened yet. Like, yeah, it seems like yeah. something they would have thought of first. 
Right. You know, exactly. Because like mm-hmm. no one's demanding it. I most certainly am no. not. This movie is pretty no. fucking close to perfect, but it's 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 great. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I'm just shocked y'all haven't tried it. But okay, let's talk about the the background information here. 1990, like I said, 33 years ago. Fucking crazy to me. 30 30 years ago still feels like the 70s, but here we are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so weird. We have that 90s show coming to um, Netflix. Oh my month, weary so. bones! I know. I know. Oil can, oil can. Although, finally, they all look better now than they did then. So good for them. I know. But I saw like, pictures and I'm like, doing? you're all really hot. Like, <laughs> that gives me hope. I know. I'm like, do y'all moisturize? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, that cast. Yeah. As we've said many times in the past, the early 90s is kind of a strange time for horror. You got a lot of the big studio slashers kind of uh, running their course, starting to die down a little bit. Um, Except for Child's Play. Child's Play 2 came out the same year. It's still kicking quite a bit. Um, mm, creatively, I should say. The, the other franchises, not so much creatively, but what do no. you gonna do? And instead of the sort of blood and guts horror that dominated most of the 80s, we're starting to get more of these sort of psychological drama thrillers um, that started a little bit in the late 80s with Fatal Attraction and The Stepfather. Um, although even The Stepfather kind of leaned into slasher territory. But you got like a two-year period here where things are really just weird. I mean, the top-grossing film, like we said, of 1990 was Ghost, which never would mm. happen today. Like, just I know, it, which just is a, a shame. Interesting period. It's 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 a damn shame, but yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, that, as we've talked about in our e- episode on that, that was truly like it's kind of a perfect little movie. It's got everything. It, it gives you everything, you know. It's yeah. it's uh, yeah. But yeah, you got Misery this year. You got uh, Jacob's Ladder, um, Silence of the Lambs the next year. It's a lot of this sort of uh, yuppie and peril type stuff like we've talked about in the past. You also start to see the erotic thrillers start to kick off with Basic Instinct and Single White Female. And uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle is more of a domestic thriller. But, you know, uh, lots of thrillers are kind of taking up airtime here. The Like I said, the blood and gut stuff is sort of being pushed a little bit to um, the back for a few years here. Misery is, of course, based on Stephen King's 1987 novel of the same name. That's a pretty quick turnaround. The yeah. you know, novel came out in 87 and the movie came out in 1990. And for how good the movie is, like it's pretty mm. impressive that uh, it, it came, came out with such a quick turnaround there. Um, it was, of course, directed by Mr. Rob Reiner. Who, Rob uh, Reiner? Rob Reiner, the, the, co- the comedian? It can't be that Rob Reiner, can it? No, Kevin? not the can other it? one. <laughs> what? All in the always, family, Rob Reiner. I know that. I always flip him and Rob Marshall. Um, oh, but, well, that uh, would be a very different film. It really would, you know, and all Although, that jazz. <laughs> he did work with Kathy Bates in that a- Annie TV thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, Rob Reiner, more known for comedies and dramas for the most part. Uh, the Princess Bride, This is Spinal Tap, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men, the critically acclaimed Elijah Wood vehicle, North. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have such joy in your heart when you, when you mention the movie north <laughs> love north <laughs> it just like you said it just it fills me with joy a film that roger ebert called one of the worst movies of all time <laughs> i adore it <laughs> so great <sighs> i'm just so happy for you i really am <laughs> <laughs> yes some might not find joy in that film, but damn it, Kevin does. They're missing out. They're missing out, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh, man. And of course, Reiner had directed Stand By Me in 1986, which was, of course, based on Stephen King's novel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently Stephen King was so impressed with that adaptation that he only agreed to sell the rights to Misery if Reiner was either going to be producing or directing the film adaptation. The screenplay was adapted by William Goldman, who had quite a few creds as well. You know, we got Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, All the President's Men, Marathon Man. Um, he also wrote The Princess Bride. Um, so some big some big titles there. Gosh, what a um, bunch of flops. Why did they get him to do it? <laughs> right. Lord, get someone oh, with guy. talent, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got Barry Sonnenfeld as a cinematographer here. Um who, course, I didn't directed. know he shot the pictures. I thought he I, was a director. I I know, right? Yeah. Um, this was right before 
both Adams Family movies and um, Men in Black and mm-hmm. Get Shorty and all that stuff that he did in the 90s. Uh, he had also just worked with Rob Reiner on When Harry Met Sally. Which those movies must have been shooting around the same time because that came out in 89 and this came out in 90. So you would wow. think they would have been pretty close to each other. Uh, I love that he went from when Harry met Sally to misery. <laughs> to misery. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that is talent. Like, that's it pretty is. shocking. It is. And there is a lot of humor in this movie. Like, it, Oh, totally. By, by today's standards, it almost plays more like a dark comedy. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I would say it's still a, you know, an effective thriller. But, like, um, I think if you go back in time and go back to that period, there was just more humor in general in yeah. like thrillers and horror and stuff and nowadays it's like you have to kind of pull teeth to get any sort of humor um we're starting yeah. to more now but you know. yeah I, I i do feel like if they made it now it would be a much more depressing movie I think so. and they so. would pro- probably cut most of the humor because that's what they think they need to do now to be taken seriously and i'm like right it's so much scarier to have these little moments of humor in between right the scares and the tension it's just so much more effective that's why she's so terrifying because you yeah. don't know what she's going to do. And sometimes she'll like yeah. say this ridiculous comedic thing and then she'll turn around and like hobble you with a, you know. Yeah. Uh, you it, never know where just, you stand with her. No. And she's so unpredictable. Um, uh, she's like the Joker of the <laughs> the <laughs> horror universe. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is mm-hmm. Annie Wilkes. <laughs> <laughs> going for Oscar gold again. We also have scoring by the wonderfully homosexual Mark Shaman. <laughs> I was so surprised to see his name here. I was like, yeah, doesn't he usually score things like a little more like upbeat and jazzy? I, I didn't know he uh, was scoring horror movies and thrillers. Sister Act and uh, First <laughs> Wives Club and Adam's Family Values and, you know, beaches. Yeah. <laughs> Why no music, musical numbers, Mark? Huh? Come yeah. On. I think I yeah. think Annie could have had like a big 11 o'clock num- number. I think so. Where's the off-Broadway musical? That's another thing. You, you would you would think at this point, but... Yeah, I mean, if it worked as a play, it can work as a musical. Misery lives on. Yes, in all of she us. does. <laughs> she does. She will never die. She will never die. <laughs> no matter what Mr. Man writes. <laughs> I just feel the misery inside of me this, this January. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect film to start the month, really. I think so. I think so. Everyone's so. cold and miserable. And as always, because this film is so well known, are we going to say something that hasn't been said by 50 other people? Oh, Who know. fucking knows? Oh, well, <laughs> it's January. We're going to say whatever Give the fuck we want to say. Break. Yeah. Do we have a number one fan? I wonder who our number one fan is. Do we have like someone oh, who's like know. obsessively <gasps> taking notes about what we say? And uh... like, I remember when you said on e- episode three, season one, that you didn't like broccoli. And then in season two, you said you did. And I want you to know <laughs> that's a cheat. It's a cheat. Oh, continuity cheat errors. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Do I Maybe hope we, have we do or do I hope, someone, yeah. I, I hope we don't? I don't know. I'm scared. I, I know. Yeah. Like, I uh, I think developing an obsessive fandom is maybe not always the the, the, the thing not. we should be striving for. Because um, yeah. then they start trying to tell you what to do. They're like, I think you should yeah. do more episodes on movies like this. And we're like, but right, we don't exactly. feel like that right now. But, um, Stop telling I, us what to do. Right. Don't I, you hobble us creatively exactly <laughs> that's creative hobbling <laughs> oh i don't know the producer andrew scheinman had read the novel on an airplane as one does um and he later recommended it to castle rock entertainment which was pretty new at the time um led by our dear rob reiner reiner eventually invited william goldman to write the film's screenplay they made a few changes like in the novel uh Annie Wilkes severs Paul Sheldon's feet with an X. Um, that's probably the biggest change. I think they wanted people to sympathize with Annie a little bit more as well. But again, that that scrapbook is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I to mean, deal with. after but, that, I'm like, she could chop off a foot. A ton of people were offered this Paul Sheldon role and turned it down for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but you had Warren Beatty, Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfuss. Harrison Ford, Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> William Hurt twice, <laughs> Kevin Klein, Al Pacino, Robert Redford, Denzel Washington, Jack Nicholson, and Bruce Willis all declined this role. 
Like, Jesus. what the fuck was happening here? Were they just oh, not they offering just... any money or like what? I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, reading it, they could say, well, he's in a bed the entire movie. Like, it's a passive I'm not going to like, yeah, I mean, he and, and he's the victim of the film yeah. and she's the one that's actually active and doing True. things. And and so I can see how maybe they'd be like, that's not much of a role. But honestly, right. I think it's a pretty good role. He's 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 got like an arc and, you know, yeah. he's, he's 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 not completely passive. He does what he can with right. what he has. But like, he's not going to jump out of bed and start like shooting at her like it's an action movie. You know, it's like, that'd be ridiculous. And you like get to play Stephen King in some regard, like one of the greatest writers of all time. So, I mean, why? I I don't know. But it it just I read that list and I was just like, oh, my God, how? And who, you know, who knows? It's it's um, Internet trivia. So maybe they just like their agents asked like randomly and we're just like hey would you be interested and they said no like it probably wasn't some big story for most of these people but you know well i do wonder because i think bet midler told a story once where she was yes. offered annie yes. and at the time she was still un- under the impression that the legs were going to be cut off with an axe so i don't that know if she, if she got like a different draft of the script and maybe that's what was turning people off was that it was gorier or something yeah. because she said she didn't want to oh. do that she's she just felt like that wasn't her thing and so i wonder if that's why they kept turning it down because it seemed more like a like a horror film or a slash straight film, horror film know? yeah that's yeah. possible too yeah because at the time yes slashers were not yeah they were well thought snooty of for, about it know. yeah yeah th- this says that both bet and angelica houston were offered the role and um houston was interested but she was already doing the grifters oh uh, so she didn't that have was a time better choice for her i think yeah that's a really great weird performance. Movie. Weird yeah. movie. Good performance. Very weird. weird movie. <laughs> very, very weird. But I, I, yeah. I do think she made it. I, wasn't she up for an Oscar for that? I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, she was, yeah. So, she was, that was a good choice. She did fine. Yeah. Yeah. She will yeah. survive. She did The right. Witches. She She's did an uh, icon. Yeah. 1990. The she same was probably year. doing that the same year. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. <laughs> she's fine she, she, yeah. yeah she has the grand high witch she'll live okay <laughs> apparently it was goldman who suggested that kathy bates play this part um at the time she was not a household name she had done like quite a few smaller roles and um but this was the thing that really kind of catapulted her to international fame here um which is always kind of cool she... when that happens to someone like I mean, she wasn't old in this movie. I would guess probably like 30s or something, but like... It, yeah, um, I think probably 30s, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I like... It's always interesting when that happens to women, like when they're not like 20 or something, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it, it's, it's rare, you know? You don't see women particularly um, because Hollywood just like throws them aside when they turn 30, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, okay, well, I guess we're we're done with this person who we've given yeah. all these roles to in the past and here, who's the next young ingenue to come up and, you know play what we need but misery was released in theaters on november 30th 1990 it eventually grossed 61 million dollars against a 20 million dollar budget which is not bad oh. tripled the budget there so critics were very positive at the time still are currently has a 91 percent on rotten tomatoes ooh, ooh, ooh. consensus is elevated by standout performances from kathy bates and james Kahn. this taut and frightening film is one of the best stephen king adaptations to date our dear roger ebert Gave the film three stars out of four. Um, he says, it is a good story, a natural story, and it grabs us. That's just the pull quote. Great. A natural story? <laughs> yeah. It's a natural story. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. I guess I'll, I'm f- first in line, Raj. I don't, I don't know. What I, I bet if that. he wanted to bang Kathy Bates, he would have <laughs> given it a higher score. <laughs> That's Roger Ebert, as we said in the past. But uh... <laughs> Oh, Raj pretty good quote here from the guardian they say it plays enough tricks on us so that we don't ever treat anything quite seriously and uh goldman's script has enough good lines and situations to keep one interested in exactly what is coming next the hobbling scene was ranked number 12 on bravo's 100 scariest moments scariest movie moments that's fun that's right it was annie wilkes was ranked number 17 on afi's 100 years 100 heroes and villains list Good for her. Number 17, the spread eagle. The spread eagle. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> Can you imagine like the cell block tango with just like 
I don't know, different Stephen King villains or something. Oh my God. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. That would be terrific. Yeah. You got like Carrie's mom and like Mm -hmm. Jack from the shining and Pennywise coming out and do a little tap number. (laughs) (laughs) He would fucking tap. He's such a showman. He had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Just picturing this clown popping out of the darkness, just going into a tap dance. (laughs) Not chewing. Pop it. And then he pops the balloon. (laughs) And then just blood sprays everywhere from the balloon. Oh, no. Most of the stuff. Any little bits of trivia here that sound interesting? Not really. Um, oh, James Conn once showed up to the set hungover, and they had oh. to throw out all the scenes from that day apparently because they were unusable. Well, good lord! Well, like if it was just a day where he was like in bed, like how bad could it have been? I mean, yeah, really? I mean, it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> like if I was gonna make a movie hungover i would think this would be one, one this would of the be best the one ones to, to make do it because yeah you've been in bed all day and you probably feel kind of hungover but you know james Kahn and kathy bates apparently clashed over their acting methods Kahn apparently believed in as little rehearsal as possible which as we said for this role i mean you don't really need them yeah. I, I mean i don't know you're not really doing that much for a lot of the movie but, yeah it's it, it's uh, not a very demanding physical performance but yeah um except maybe towards the end of it but then yeah um, but for most of it, yeah, it's just sitting in bed. Whereas Kathy Bates had this theater background, which you totally see coming through in this role a lot. Um, oh, yeah. She was apparently very deliberative and uh, spent a lot of time perfecting this character. Reiner himself studied a lot of Hitchcock movies, which I definitely see um, mm-hmm. aspects of that throughout. It also gives me a little bit of a Twin Peaks vibes vibe at times with this like quirky community the, the, yeah it's like the sheriff like the sheriff and his yeah. deputy is his wife and like right and she's always like really thirsty and like trying to fuck him and he <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like we've got a job to do virginia and she's like right. oh well i'll just be your yeah. de- deputy then right and it's like yeah. snowy and there's cabins everywhere and yeah, yeah that's kind of like a twin peaks vibe. a little bit of that vibe um bada, 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 bada. The, the, the movie kind of downplays paul's addiction and substance abuse um the book gets more into that a little bit, but uh, he's got enough on his plate in the movie. So uh, um, yeah. and little bits of that come through now and then. Um, but well, uh, yeah, I mean, like there's that one scene where he looks like he's like going through like withdraw- withdrawal yeah. draws. Yeah. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. comes in and she's like, Paul, your color's so hectic. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> great. <laughs> just so many great one liners in this. It's just like, <laughs> I pretty much just wrote down quotes when I was writing notes because I'm like, it's just <laughs> so great. So, so great. good. Um, oh, boy. Well, tell us what is happening. Well, Great. there is this writer named Paul Sheldon, mm-hmm. and he is so excited because he has just um, he's been cooped up in this sort of snowy cat cabin for months trying to complete his new novel. And he's just completed the last page. So he has himself a little cigarette and a g- glass of champagne. And um, and so he has a little cel- celebration and decides to leave and go out on the road with his new manuscript and head back to New York and deliver it to his agent. And unfortunately, he has picked the worst possible time to leave because there's this big snowstorm and he loses control of his car and the car flips over and gets into the side of the road and is just buried in the snow. And, you know, he is uh, he he's a little bit knocked out. And as he's out, he flashes back to this meeting that he had with his agent named Marsha, played by Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Lauren Bacall. I guess they paid her in High Point Coffee. It's, uh, <laughs> Probably. it's marvelous. Lauren Bacall for High Point. She, she's concerned because he, he's just killed off this character of misery who was the lead of this very successful series of books. And like we said, we're not really sure what they are. They're kind of this Harlequin romance kind of thing, probably like very popular with like housewives and stuff. And um, yeah, apparently everybody in town reads them. That's yeah. That's like the, they're the, very addictive. They're very, yeah. <laughs> and uh, up in here. Yeah. And so he's concerned because he's going to start to write something that's uh, this, this, this new manuscript is a very different kind of story for him and he's, he's not really sure how his fans are going to feel about this yeah. 
And then it kind of cuts, cuts back to current time, and he's still in the car. And someone, out of nowhere, gets a crowbar and opens the car door and saves him from freezing to death. And puts them on their shoulder and carries them off into, a, in, into the sunset. And they're like, what's going on here? And then he wakes up, and there's this random lady standing above him. And he's got like an IV bag in, and he's in this unfamiliar bed in this unfamiliar room. And this lady's like, hi, my name is Annie, and I am so lucky that I found you, and I just want you to know I am your biggest fan. And you're like, oh, that's sweet. She's, she's, she seems fun, a little quirky. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she shows him that his legs are like all mangled and his shoulder was dislocated, so she had to pop it back in. So he's in like a sling and stuff. Yeah, she's made up this, well... We don't know if it's a story or if it's true, but uh, the, the, the snow's too bad. She can't get him to the hospital and the phone mm-hmm. lines are down, at least at her house. Yeah. Uh, and she's just prattling away. and But she doesn't want to make, make him feel all oogie. No. What does oogie mean? Is this like one of those know. weird Stephen King words that he just made? Ma- yeah, makes I would up? think so. I would think so. He's so wacky. He really is. Um, and yeah, so she, she's just gushing away. And she's like, I do have to admit that you're very lucky that I was there because I, I was sort of watching you. I was following you and I, I saw you up at the cabin just typing away at night. And I kept thinking, what's he writing in there? What's going on? And you're like, okay, Annie, it's a little, it's a little creepy. Um, and he's like, okay, well, that is kind of weird, but at least I'm alive. So we're just going to plant that little red flag and come back to it later. Um, and she gives him these little pills for the pain and she sees his new man manuscript and she's like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I see that you have your latest novel here. Would you mind if I gave it a read? And he's like, well, I've got this whole rule. You know, I don't let anyone read my my novels except for my agents and this person. And I guess my number one fan that rescues me. And she's like, oh, yay. <laughs> and so she starts to read this thing. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, no one can find Paul. And Marsha calls Sheriff Buster, and she's like, have you heard anything about him? He was supposed to be here. His daughter's really concerned and stuff like that. And and he's like, no, but I'll start investigating. And his deputy is his wife, Virginia, who, as I mentioned before, is just very thirsty the whole time. She's just trying <laughs> to get some – she's trying to get him back home under the covers, as she says at some point, I think. Mm-hmm. And um and he's just trying to do his job. And um at one point like he he goes out into the snow where Paul uh where Paul c- crashed and he almost finds the car but then he gets like stuck in some snow and he comes back up and you're like oh it was right there. You almost mm-hmm. got it. Very like, like Barney Fife absolutely detective, you know, cheesy yeah. uh, cop here trying to <laughs> It's like he, he means well, but he's yes. just maybe not the best at his job a little bumbling yeah mm-hmm. there's just not much that really ever happens in this town you can just tell right. and he's like i don't know what to do about this incompetence um, is fine when you live in a town of like five people <laughs> exactly there's not much to do so yeah. <laughs> and annie reads paul's new manuscript and he's like what'd you think and she's like i don't know i mean who am i to critique you right i mean mm-hmm. i i'm not like 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 you i'm not a genius and She's like, but I'm just going to be honest. I was bothered by the profanity, Paul. <laughs> and he's like, well, these are inner city kids. Like, they talk like this. I was raised <laughs> like that. That's how they talk. And she's like, they do not. <laughs> she just starts freaking out. And it's like, oh, so you're telling me when I go into town and I'm at the bank, I say, can you give me some of that bitching money and stuff? And she's just like, <laughs> and she's freaking out. And she has his his soup that she's feeding him. And it just, it pours on the mm-hmm. on the um the comforter and and she's like you see what you made me do and he's like calm down lady and yeah, um <laughs> this is where we get a little taste of uh perhaps the true yeah any coming through here a little bit she's a bit of a prude you know uh, now wally give me a bag a of that bit. effing pig feed and 10 pounds of that bitchly cow corn <laughs> bitchly cow corn <laughs> 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 I didn't want to say uh, that great. now. That's great. That's so bitchly. I love that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so then she kind of up- apologizes, and she's like, "I'm just, I'm so sorry, but I just, I think you can do so much better." 
And uh, but the good news is is that there's a final misery book that is coming out, and Annie's going to make sure that she's the first one to read it. Mm-hmm. So she goes out in the morning. And she comes back all ex- excited and she goes off and she starts to read it and she comes back and she tells Paul how much she loves it and how it's one of his best ones yet. But when she finally finishes the book, she barges in at night and she's like, how dare you kill Misery Chastain? You dirty bird. And he's like, uh, well, I just, you know, it's it's natural. You know, that was it, it just made sense for the character. And she's like, how dare you? And then she's let lets it slip. She's like, "Oh, by the way, remember uh, earlier when I told you that I called your agent and your daughter and told you that you were here? Well, I lied. Uh, no one knows you're here, so good luck." And just leaves him there. And he's like, "Oh shit, this is not good. This is really bad." Mm-hmm. And, and she then, has that line that's like, "Sometimes my thinking is a little muddy. I accept that. It's why I couldn't remember all those things they were asking me on the witness stand in Denver." <laughs> Like it just looks like stand. throwaway For line. What? Yeah, what are you talking stand? about? What are you talking about, Annie? Why are you on the witness stand? Oh, but we yeah. find out. We find out later. And then later on, Annie comes back in and she's like, okay, God talked to, to me. And he thinks it's a good it's a good idea for you to burn this manuscript of your new book because it's filth and you have to rid the world of this. And he's like, okay, we could do that, but I already made other copies, so would you really be ridding the world of the story? And she's like, oh, nice try, but remember I'm your number one fan, and you said (laughs) on Merv Griffin that you're superstitious and you never make copies of your work, so I know that's the only one. And he's like, fuck, damn it, this woman's crazy. And she forces him to burn the manuscript on a fucking barbecue grill, and he's just totally heartbroken because he poured his heart and soul into this thing, and it's gone forever. And then Paul comes up with this plan and he starts hiding all the painkillers in this little hole that he digs under his bed with a fork. And we're like, what's he going to do with all of those? But he just, you know, he just saves them up and he's starting to get well enough to get out of the bed and get into a wheelchair. So Annie's like, I have a great idea. I didn't like the way you ended the last misery book, as you know. And so you're going to write another sequel where misery returns. He's like, she's dead. And she's like, I don't care. Bring her back. It's like, God damn it. And so she buys like a typewriter and all this paper. And when when he goes to start writing the book, he's like, I actually need other paper because this paper smudges. And she's like, but it's the most expensive. And she and he tries it. He writes it out. It smudges. And she's like, oh, I guess you're right. Well, what else do you want me to get you from the store? You want me to bring the whole store with me too? It's like, just the paper will be fine. You and... better start showing me a little more appreciation, Mr. Man. Mr. Man. Just oh, also the typewriter the paper is... on, his, on his knees. The typewriter is missing the letter N. So like, <laughs> She's like have fun I'll with just... that. She's like, I'll fill in all your ends. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves and he sees this um, bobby pin thing. And he's like, oh, I can use that to pick the lock. So she she leaves and he picks the lock and he starts going around and finding like all this memorabilia about him and Liberace. I don't know if she also stalked him at some point while he was alive, <laughs> but I have a feeling she might have. Mm-hmm. And um, and so like he's trying to find a way to get out of there. And of course, the front door is locked. Um, he sees the back door, but he he can't get his chair through there. So he's like crawling on the floor trying to get to it. And then all of a sudden she comes back and it's scary. It's so scary. And at some point he's going through her living room and he he drops this like tchotchke thing mm-hmm. um, and he puts it back the wrong way. And you're like, oh, shit, that's going to come back to bite him in the ass. And so, so, so she comes back and he's trying to get back into the room and lock it again. He's also found her medicine supply cabinet, too. So he's gotten like an extra pack or two of these pills and he's like stuffed them in his pants and she's coming in the door and he sees that that they're sticking out of his pants and he's like trying to hide them and he's sweating like a motherfucker like it's so obvious something has gone down and she comes back in and she's like oh my what happened your color is very hectic Paul and and he's he's like I just need my pills just 
give me my pills, please. And as she's gone to go get the pills, he kind of tucks the pills that he did take into his pants again and, and, and hides them. So then during all of this, the sheriff has found Paul's car and he's kind of been presumed dead. And he's also started to read all of Paul's books and he makes a note of a line in one of the books that he likes, which is something along the lines of like a higher power will judge me or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Something like that. And now Paul is writing the first chapter of the new misery book and Annie reads it and she does not care for it uh, (laughs) because it reminds her of this cliffhanger that she saw in a serial back in her childhood (laughs) where they went back in and made it seem like this guy jumped out of a car when actually he didn't. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. car. (laughs) And so she thinks it's a cheat. And she's like, you need to start over. And he's like, fuck. Oh, except for one thing. She said, you can throw out everything except for the part of naming the grave digger digger after after me. me. You can can leave that that part. part. I love it. (laughs) And so he's back on, on, on it again. And actually things start going pretty well. He's just churning out the chapters chapter after chapter and annie is loving it she's like oh this is fantastic this is i think this is your masterwork it's so fantastic right and they decide to celebrate and so they have this sort of romantic dinner where she makes meatloaf with just a little bit of spam to give it a kick and (laughs) and they have some wine and paul's like hey you know what this needs candles so she goes off to find some candles and he's crushed up all of the pills that he's been saving and he pours them into her wine and when she comes back she knocks over the wine and the look on james Kahn's face in the scene is one of the greatest things i've ever seen in in my <laughs> life it's like he got the news his entire family's just been brutally murdered mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he's like what the fuck am i gonna do now yeah and then one night it's storming and she appears in the room and she's all strung out and kind of depressed and She's like, I hate the rain. It just makes me blue. Mm -hmm. And she pulls out a gun and she pretty much says that she's thought about killing herself a lot and that she loves him so much, but she knows that he doesn't really, really love her. And he's just going to go away at some point like everyone else. And, and that he'd better hope she never uses this gun because no one would be there to help him. And she just gets in this car and like drives away. I don't know where she's, I don't know where she's going. (laughs) And he's like, okay, I've got time now. I'm going to go exploring again. And he finds this scrapbook. And you see that she was involved in all these shady incidents when she was a nurse. Like there were all these mysterious mm-hmm. deaths for these babies at her hospital. Mm-hmm. And 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 she even used a quote from one of his books during her trial. And so now he, he knows he's screwed. So he manages to get a knife from the kitchen and hide it under his bed. And she returns home and and doesn't stop stop in. She just goes to bed and he, and he, and he's like, "Phew, okay, that's good. I'll just wait until she comes at me and I'll pull the knife on her and that's that." And so he goes to sleep, and he wakes up in the middle of the night and she's right there and she injects him with this thing to knock him out. And when he wakes up, it's daytime, and she's putting this plank of wood in between his feet and he's strapped to the bed and he's like, "What's going on, girl?" And she's like. I know what you were doing. You were trying to escape. And he goes for the knife and she's like looking for this and pulls out the knife. And, and, and she's like, did you ever hear about what happened to the Kimberly diamond mines? Cause if a worker was caught stealing, um, they would do this thing called hobbling so they could keep working, but they couldn't run away. She pulls out this sledgehammer and she breaks both of his legs. And it's all like, yeah. God, I love you. While this like uh, Tchaikovsky piano concerto is playing in the background. And she's yeah, it's liberal in a way. <laughs> Moonlight Sonata. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. It's just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and that shot of the leg, I mean, that really is just one of the most horrifying things. And it's like a split mm-hmm. second shot too. Yeah, but it just it pull, puts it over beautifully. At this point, the sheriff has found out that Annie bought herself a typewriter and lots of paper at the general store, and is always one of the first ones to get Paul's novels. And he does a little library research montage and uh, finds out that montage. <laughs> well, you get the answers, <laughs> and he finds out that Annie quoted the same quote of Paul's that he had underlined in his book. And he's like, uh-oh, I have a feeling she might know something about Paul. 
So he heads up there to see what's up. And obviously things between Annie and Paul are not great. You know, she'll wave at him and he'll flicker off, uh, but he's still trying to write. And the sheriff shows, shows up. So she knocks him out again, puts him in the basement next to the grill. And the sheriff shows up and starts lo- looking around and Annie's all like, I'll make you some hot cocoa. And as she's off, he's like, this is definitely weird. And he starts looking around and seeing all the stuff. And, and she, and she's like, did you know that I was so upset when, when I, when I heard that Paul might, might have died that I decided I'm going to get a typewriter and kind of become him. Like I'm going to write, write books as if I am him. So I turned this room in, into a studio and stuff. And she's like, do you want to read it? And he's like, I'm good. Basically it seems like everything's okay. So he leaves but as he's leaving, Paul stirs downstairs and makes the grill topple over and makes this big crashing sound. And the sheriff comes back in and goes to the basement and sees Paul there. But unfortunately, Annie got herself a gun and <laughs> she blows his entire chest up and kills him. And she's like, all right, I guess it's time for us both to die because now that he's dead, people are going to come looking for him and we can't do this forever. And Paul's like, but wait, our legacy, our book just let me finish the book first. And, and he's like, okay, sure. And so she leaves and he hides this can of lighter fluid up his ass or something. <laughs> and then he finishes this book and he gets the last bit. And, and he's like, I am so excited. Just tell me who misery ends up with. I can't wait. And he's like, you'll have to wait. But while I finish it, can you get me the three things I need for my post book completion ritual? And she's like, I already have you covered. It's and the, the Don Parignon, <laughs> Don Parignon, or whatever Parignon. she says. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and she brings them back, and he's like, "Oh, you didn't bring yourself a glass? I think you should have one too." And she's like, "Oh, really, Paul?" So she goes to get another glass, and he douses the manuscript with lighter fluid. And she comes back in, and he's like, "If you what really want to know what happened." happened it's too bad because i'm gonna burn it and he lights the match and sets the whole thing on fire and she freaks out she's like why would you do this and he's like i learned it from you and and she's like trying to put out the fire and her arm catches on fire and stuff and then like and then he hits her in the head with the uh the typewriter and just like bashes her head on the floor and and just like punches her in the eye sockets and stuff like her eyes are it's bleeding this, yeah this whole conversation is it's it's, it's, it's almost comical i mean some of the lines are just i'm gonna kill you lying cocksucker and then she takes like shoving pieces the pages of the burning, in yeah mouth. In, in, his, in, his, in his mouth uh, it's so crazy you, you twisted like, fuck and then eventually she falls and hits her head on the typewriter and it seems like she's dead so he's like crawling out of the room and then she pops back up and I jumped. I forgot. I for, mm. forgot about this and I yeah. scared myself it's a silly scream and, scream moment there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's like trying to fight with him again. And she, and he picks up this like door stop thing mm-hmm. and hits her on the head a few, a few times. A door stop then, that looks like a, a sow. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just falls down dead. Yeah. And then. It's 18 months later and Paul's having lunch with Marsha in New York and she's like, your book is getting raves and you you should really write a nonfiction about the time you spent with that crazy lady. And he's like, I don't know. And he sees Annie coming towards him with a knife dressed as a, wait- a waitress. And it turns out he's just hallucinating. And the waitress comes up and is like, are you Paul Sheldon? I have to tell you, I'm your number one fan. And he's like, that's very sweet. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie lives on in, in all the she fans. She will always live. <laughs> <laughs> all the obsessive fans. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he intentionally just started pissing off every single f- fan from then on. He's like, I'm only going <laughs> to write what I want. I don't care what any of you fucks want. You're all yeah. crazy. But he's also probably like terrified and like scarred at this point of like Maybe a little bit. off again because he could end up in a place that he always already was. You know, it's. Yeah, it's true. It, it's yeah, kind of a shame he did burn that last misery book because he could always have that in his back pocket in case they got really pissed, pissed, pissed off again. True. Like true. I'll put one more out. One more. Yeah. One more for Annie. It's a great movie. It just gives you everything. Yeah, it's you know? wonderful. You get comedy. You get this great 
allegory about the whole writing process and how like toxic it can it can be and uh, mm-hmm. if you want to read you could read Mis- you could read um annie as being this sort of just his thought process essentially the whole time and you know mm-hmm. how it uh you know tells you you're not good enough or this is good this isn't good throw this out and uh scary at times it, it's uh gives you everything you know yeah that, just that amazing one, that um that one scene in the middle of the movie where annie's gone to get the paper and he's just mm-hmm. looking around the house. It is brilliantly constructed. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. intense. It's very yeah. scary. It's great suspense. Right. It's It's got a lot of uh, Hitchcockian vibes, like we said. Um, you could say it. it's Hitchcock-a-duty. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Beautifully shot. It's got that good, like, wintry feel. Yeah, it's a great one to pop on during this season that's partly why we chose it because it's got a great mm. cold wintry vibe here um it's cozy it is it's, like it's it is a, a very cabin. cozy movie yeah weirdly it's very enough isolated. Mm-hmm. i think that might be why it's so creepy is because it's not shot like a traditional horror film like it's not a lot like there's some scenes that take place at night but even those aren't shot in like the typical sort of horror film way right it's like like the scariest parts of the movie take place in broad daylight and yeah. that's what makes it so spooky. And it does play like a two-person play for the most part, mm-hmm. except when it like cuts to the cop and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I, I that's why I really wish I had seen the production that was on Broadway. And that's yeah. Stephen King, man. He he just writes the best villains, you know. Yeah, it's like like and and he does religious, prudish, crazy women especially well, well you know. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you, you, you've got Annie, you've got Carrie's mom, you've got, was it a Mrs. Carmody from the, the, the mist, you know, yeah. he, he, he writes those parts so well. It's just that, mm-hmm. oh, oh man, it's just so scary, but it's also yeah. funny because mm-hmm. these women in real life, your first instinct when you encounter so- someone like this is to kind of laugh because yeah. there's so much and you're like, are you for real? Like it, right. you actually believe these things. Oh, okay. Right. Wow. And then they just take it a little too far. Some of the scariest people in the world are very funny and not always intentionally yeah. so, but like, yeah, they're just sort of walking jokes. Like, I mean, mm. look at fucking Donald Trump. Like he is a walking joke and yeah. like, we've laughed at him plenty, but he's also kind of terrifying. Like if you give this yeah. guy power, like it's, it's exactly, it's, it's just, um, yeah, I think, uh, Stephen King really captures what like bad people are actually like a lot of times um, mm-hmm. he's great in a that. way that i think many other people don't like a lot of people i think just want to portray villains as these really serious people who who just want to come in and fuck up all the the good things in life but like they see themselves yeah. as um heroes you know mm-hmm. they, they think they're the good guys and um right they can be just as funny as anybody else or um yeah so it's it's yeah there's a reason why he is, you know, one of the greatest writers of all time. And it's mm-hmm. pretty undisputed at this point, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just that, that line between like scary, funny, and like a little pathetic. Pathetic, Like, that, like yes. you do, yeah. you do just kind of want to go, oh, like you're so misinformed. I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> but right. at the same time, you're like, you have a knife. I should probably shut up. <laughs> <It's> right. like, <laughs> you look like you have the capacity to kill. You've got some yeah. scary mood swings. I'm not yeah. so sure. It's true. Ugh. It's true. That's misery, you know. It's yeah. a classic for a reason. It's great. It's great. It's out there. I'm not really sure what it's streaming, but I, I got the new uh, 4K, which looks beautiful. Oh, uh, well, smell you, Mister 4K. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had to watch the regular Blu-ray, uh, like a commoner. <laughs> commoner. <laughs> With my lousy 2K or whatever the fuck it is. is it just Meanwhile, somebody's 2K? like popping in their uh, VHS. <laughs> yeah. I put desk. in my my full frame DVD from 2000. <laughs> it had a special feature of production notes and scene selections. Um, some of them definitely have noticed the difference more than others. Um, this one looked pretty damn good, uh, but I mean, it was like that when Blu-ray came out too. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was hard to tell the difference with some of them. And then I feel like as time went along, it got more apparent like what was blu-ray and what wasn't um absolutely dvds but in the beginning it was kind of like i don't really see much of a difference here right um like if it was shot in you know 16 millimeter with like no lighting it's probably still gonna look kind of icky but (laughs) yeah there's only so much you can do yeah yeah 
And some wow. films should just look icky. That's part yeah, of the I mean, charm. That's, that's, the, that's, yeah, part of the, like I said, charm. And if you, if you clean them up too much, then they start to lose their, yeah, what, what the, I mean, yeah, what part of the charm was for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is this, a Tampax commercial? I thought it was a slasher right. movie. Exactly. It looks so way clean and crisp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have an Overlook gem? Our first Overlook gem of the year. Oh, oh, I feel so be good. special. Be good. <laughs> well, well, fuck. God damn it, Kevin. <laughs> Only go back through my list and find <laughs> Okay, let me see. Um, okay, well, this one, I don't think I've talked about this one. It's 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 called The Housekeeper. Have I talked I about this so. one? I think so. Um, it is a movie. It's based on a book called A Judgment in Stone. In some countries, I believe that's the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was also made into a film called La Ceremonie. I probably mm. bu- bu- butchered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a story about a woman who has been taking care of her elderly parent, and she never learned how to read and write. And the parent dies and she has to get a job. So she gets this job as a housekeeper and keeps trying to keep it a secret that she can't read. And, um, and this is kind of like an upper middle-class family. And she starts getting like a little jealous of their lifestyle. And she meets this woman who, um, I think like runs the post office in town. And she's kind of this busybody who used to be like a big skank, but then she found Jesus. And now she's like really holier than thou. And she kind of converts her into this lifestyle of like trying to hate on the people that she works for. And eventually it builds to a point where there is murder and chaos. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a nice little, it's a nice little thriller. Cool. It's enjoyable. I do like murder and chaos in movies. I think it's anyway. It's pretty hard to find, so I feel bad about even recommending it. I don't think it ever mm. got a DVD release, at least not here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a shame. But if you can find it, maybe it's on the YouTube. I don't know. How'd you say you found it? Was it on a VHS copy or VHS years okay. ago? Yes, years yeah. ago. Oh, it's sad when movies get lost to time like oh, that. And... I know. It's it's so strange and and you never know why some get releases and some don't because I mean there have been some yeah. real dogs that have gotten these amazing releases and I'm mm-hmm. like was there an audience for this re- release like did you sell right. more than fifteen copies I don't right. get it meanwhile we never got like a Blu-ray of something like Freeway and now we have a 4K edition of it like how did yeah. that happen <laughs> finally finally yes uh, well happy 2023 as we said yeah. Hope it's off to a good start for everyone. Yeah, it's uh, anything is possible, you know. <laughs> yeah, believe in Hopefully yourself. Better. Believe in yourself. You can make it. <laughs> you're gonna that make it after all. Membership you just signed up for. You're gonna go for more than a week. Yeah, you sure we believe are. In you. <laughs> you're gonna eat healthy for more than a month. I know you will. You're gonna study for all those exams like Elwood and have a nice little montage and that's right. Answer all the questions in class and. You're oh, going to be, be so great. You're going to meet your own Luke Wilson. It's going to be a good year for you. It's going to be great. We believe in you over at we Haunted do. Hill. We do. We're throwing our hat up in the air like Mary Tyler Moore, and yeah. we believe you're going to make it after all. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Even the Joan Jett version. I love it. Who can turn the I world down with this smile? That's such a good version. Oh, it is. Well, maybe made iconic by drop bias, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that song does always like energize me like that makes me want to get shit done it's great yeah. like do y'all all have songs like like that you know where like you're just like that song just mo- motivates me yeah yeah like flash dance know. yeah <laughs> that's a good one that like, is. what a feeling is right i do feel being's believing <laughs> I'm gonna take my passion, make it happen. God damn it. I'm gonna do it. For me, it's pretty much just the whole drop dead gorgeous soundtrack. I mean, come much about it, baby. Do yeah. that. Come, come. Yeah. I don't wanna be a lost Picasso. Picasso. Here she is, our Mount Rose American teen princess. Do you have that on your iPod? I might. I don't know uh, what I'm gonna say. No comment. <laughs> It's for when I'm walking around and I want to feel classy. Exactly. <laughs> I want to feel pretty. I'm like, I'm going to put this on. Go for I the walk. I feel pretty. Yes. <laughs> I feel like a Mount Rose American teen princess right now. 
If only. Man, where are my St. Paul Port products? <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much. I work here I work now. here now. <laughs> I love that her, like, two claims to fame are that role and Fargo. Like, just amazing. Like, if you're going to do that's nothing a else filmography. in life, like, That's a <laughs> Amazing. She picked him well. <laughs> she did. Ugh, love it. Love it. Um, I wonder if Misery the Pig in this became a St. Paul pork product later on. Oh, you know? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> like, what happened to Misery once Annie was gone? What happened? <laughs> Boy, that's that Netflix spinoff. Ryan Murphy, can you hear me? Was the pig gay? <laughs> that's a gay pig. <laughs> misery the pig played by matt bomer in a <laughs> stirring performance he really transforms into misery the pig and misery is haunted by this um uh, like sarah paulson vision of annie wilkes and it's, just... <laughs> it's like babe pig in the city oh oh i i, I would watch that i would mm-hmm. maybe it could be animated you know like it could be for yeah. kids Cute little Charlotte's Web type thing. C is for cock-a-duty car. (laughs) P is for Paul Sheldon, my favorite novelist. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. We, yes, have a wonderful 2023 to start here. And uh, we will be back probably next week with something. We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> oh, right. happy goodbye.